Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast, Conversations from Being, inspired by the book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan Thompson. Join us each week with the intention of expanding your state of being, and your experience will be remarkable. Remember, this is a podcast about being. It is a podcast about you. To explore more deeply, visit theultimatecoachbook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B. Welcome back. Your host, Philip Batu, here today. And, um, you know, when I first heard the book, The Ultimate Coach, it was by a guy called Rich Habits who had just read the manuscript and I had never really heard anyone talk about a book in the way Rich read the book and shared it with me. And I was so inspired and moved. And that was the beginning of a very rich and beautiful exploration into being. And today we get to explore a beautiful conversation with Rich Habits. Rich, who's doing amazing things in the world that I'm really inspired by. And one of the things when we talk about being, it's very hard to have that kind of language in the business world. And um, Rich is one of those few people who is making a huge difference in the lives of many people working in businesses. And I just... um, find that really fascinating. So this is this episode is particularly interesting for people who are looking to bring this understanding of being into the world of business. Um Rich, wonderful to have you here with me. Welcome. Uh thank you Philippe. It's uh it's always nice to speak to you. Thank you for those nice words. And um you know, something uh, that you just said really resonated with me. It's uh, when uh, when I read that manuscript, it really, I had a smile. I couldn't stop reading it. I was just uh, reading it every day. And I think I finished it in two days. Um, and indeed, I couldn't stop sharing it. So you're absolutely right. That was must have been last year. I think it was August, September, something around there. But it's, uh, yeah, great that you remind me of that. Thank you. And, and you know, not just that. After that manuscript, you committed. To going out to Arizona, you spent three weeks there, or mm-hmm. you, you know, had a one-on-one time um, with Steve over ten hours or so, and so um, you get you then came back, and and what's been beautiful is I've really gotten to know you during that time and accompany you and just be there as a friend, as a colleague, and um, I just wanted to say like what I appreciate most about you is how I've gotten to know you over this time and uh and i'm so delighted for whoever's listening today to get a sense of who you are what you're up to and um that they too get to experience you the way i have had the pleasure of experiencing Mm -hmm. sounds good let's do it all right so rich is uh i love you're also just such a, a straight talker and uh one of the things that um i often hear you say is um how you know, oh, we we can't have this language. We couldn't talk about that in business, like businesses. You can't you can't go in there and, and talk about being. So, I'd love to know about how how did you start 
actually getting into the world of business and, and how do you introduce this language of being and this way of being and using being as a way to create the kind of results that you're having. And maybe you can share a little bit more about what you're up to, the work that you do, and um, and how that, yeah, what would it, whatever makes sense for you to share. Okay, yeah, thanks. That's that's about four big questions in one. <laughs> so I'll start with the, I'll start with the first one. So um, I've been a, a management consultant almost all my life. I was born in, as a management consultant. <laughs> uh, no, I got into management consulting around 1999, um, and I did that for a long time. I loved it. Uh, I was, you know, I saw all these companies from up close and of course in the beginning you start working as an analyst and then you work your way up and, and you start doing strategic sessions and uh, so that's the work I did for a long time um so for in 2000 I think it was we uh we were sitting with the board of Sony Entertainment uh I still remember that when we were in uh, New York and they were trying to find a way to stop being ripped off by uh Napster when uh, you know Napster had mm -hmm. all these uh, illegal MP3s, and um, Napster was losing, uh, Sony Entertainment was losing all their this money with all the artists that were just freely available on the market, all their numbers, and they were looking for a way to monetize it and protect their copyrights. And uh, we actually came up with a model that looked a lot like what Spotify is now. So that was two thousand, and. Um, and I loved my work. Um, I love meeting new people. I love meeting new cultures. I love, uh, I love to analyze how different cultures think in different ways, how they see things in a different way, how they see themselves differently, how they see others differently, how they look at the world. That has always fascinated me. And I mean, really seriously fascinated me. When I was young, I read books on the, on the pyramids, for instance. Uh, you know, why did we build these pyramids? And who were the um, the pharaohs that had them build, and how were they built? And that always fascinated me. And uh, not not just the pharaohs, but uh, everything history. So I'm always looking at how do things work, and how do people see things, and from how they see things, what do they do? What are the actions they take and don't take? And that got me into management consulting. And later on in my uh, management consulting career, when I was leading my own team, I started to see that. Um, Sometimes we would go into a company and um, we would basically have everything set up perfectly, right? So we had a good budget for the project we were going to do. Uh, there was good backing from the sponsor and there were clear timelines and there was a, a clear scope. And that project would just fail. And everybody would be baffled, like, you know, what would happen? Why did we go over budget or why didn't we deliver in time? It seemed all so promising and we had everything under control, but it failed. And at other times, we uh, we would run projects in companies. These were mostly like reorganizations or, uh, you know, projects like that. Um, and we didn't have a clear scope, a budget. Hmm, we we kind of have to see what we're going to get that next week. Um, and those projects were a success. And I was always taught that if you got those three things in place, you got your budget, you got your scope, and you got your um, timelines. Your, your milestones, that everything would just be a matter of control. Well, it turned out it's not, wasn't true. So I started to become fascinated with what is it that mm -hmm. makes projects succeed? And, um, you know, you don't have to look far to conclude that it's people. 
And I became fascinated with people. I just, I saw people around me wildly successful, loved by everybody, uh, you know, leaders of teams and their teams would work over hours. They would go the extra mile and other leaders, those people wouldn't do anything. They would just go home, you know, at five o'clock, they would close their laptop and they would go home and they wouldn't, you know, do anything extra. And even though I could see the difference in, in management style, I was really going for what's the root here. Why is this manager successful in, you know, whatever you call successful, but getting things done in this case, and the other one isn't. So I became very fascinated with, um, you know, the human dimension in business. Um, and that put me on a path in 2009, after 10 years of management consulting, I, um, I got divorced in 2009 because I basically um, was... You know, I was traveling so much. I was working so much. My wife didn't see me at all. Uh, it was a, a, a marriage based on two people wanting two very different things, still liking each other, but we decided to go our separate ways. Uh, and I was a dad of a three-year-old at the time. So I got divorced and I decided, you know what? I'm going to quit my job also, which by the way, I don't recommend to anybody. Mm. <laughs> don't do those things at the same time. <laughs> it's costing you a lot of money and a lot of stress. But, um, you know, from 2009 on, I started to focus on solely what's, what's the human dimension in business? What, what is it? What is it made of? What's the root? What makes people perform, not perform? What makes people happy, not happy? Uh, what's, 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 you know, what's at the root of it? And that took me on a, on a long journey, I can tell you. I got very confused because I was reading many, many books. And um, the more I read, the more I got confused. Um, and I joined a Tony Robbins program. I started uh, doing NLP things. And, you know, that's the kind of guy I am. I'm always full in. Mm -hmm. I used to be always full in. Now I'm more, uh, no, now I pick my things more better than that. And um, that took me on a, on a long path, on a long journey. And um, at a certain moment, I met somebody um, that everybody else on this podcast probably knows. Uh, it's our dear friend, Steve Chandler. I met him in 2010, I think, for the first time in a course that he did with Rich Litvin in L.A. I did that course, hired him as my coach from that moment on, and I decided to drop everything else I was doing, just focus on the work with Steve. And um took me a couple of years to get going. but. Um, I, I worked with him eventually for a lot of years, over a decade. Uh, you know, not every week or every other week, but we had regular calls and he coached me really well. And I, I was able to transform my work from technocratic business consulting work into being that same business consultant, but uh, looking at the human dimension in business. And that's what I'm doing uh, these yeah. days in businesses. So over all this time, and everything that you have read and discovered, like what, how would you say, what, how would you share what you've discovered around human behavior, human dimension in business? What would, how would you put it in your words? Well, you know, human, humans in business are still humans, right? So when I, a lot of people I speak to, they go like, oh my God, businesses, it's all about money and ego and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, um, they have a, you know, a lot about it is about money, but it's still people that are in there and um you know in a nutshell um we all have a way the world occurs to us 
And how the whale occurs to us is in our thoughts. And our thoughts are um, expressed in, in language. And when we start, A, seeing the role of thought, that it's not just the way we are, but it's the way we've become. And that we have a say in who we are, then we can tra transform our world. And I think we're all perfect, whole, and complete, every single human being. I haven't met a human being who's not perfect, whole, and complete in my life. But we have things that get in our way. We have beliefs, thoughts, uh, convictions, and all that stuff that get in the way. And once we get to see that, not make them wrong, right? Not make ourselves wrong for having a certain belief or whatever. But when, once we start to see that that's what's running the show, right? The way the world occurs to us, that's what's running the show. That's what's running us. That's how we perceive. It's how it occurs to us, how we occur to ourselves, how the world occurs to us. Then we get to see, wait a minute. Um, if I've become this way, through conditioning, you know, my parents, my culture, my religion, uh, teachers, uh, you know, I've become that way unconsciously. If I've become that way, I can also, if, I, if I've become that way unconsciously, I can also become another way consciously. I have a say in the matter. And when we take that ownership, we can basically create anything we want. Hmm. Through the power of our own minds, and um, and that's you know that's in two minutes probably. Uh, I could have done it in one. <laughs> could have been shorter here, but that's in one minute mm -hmm. the journey. Yeah, uh, that a lot of people take a lifetime to to really see mm. and I, master. I, I hear you. So it's on a practical level. Can you give me an example of how that's played out in the business world and the conversations that you've been having in the work that you've been doing? Of course, of course, there's many examples. So, so, so for instance, a very, very practical thing that I see a lot in um, exec especially executive teams. So people who have climbed the corporate ladder, as we call that, right? Like VP, senior directors, uh, C-suite level people. Um, they have created a certain way of listening where they, and I'm not saying all the time, I'm just saying what I see in general, right? So it's never a, a digital, it's not zero, yes or no, it's not never one or zero, it's just in general. What I see is that they've created a way of listening that they're right, right? Um, this is the way it is. And uh, I have to convince people that this is the way it should be done. Because they've climbed that ladder and they've gotten so many pats on the back for their smarts and for their intelligence and for their insight. And now it becomes very hard for them to look beyond how they see things. Hmm. So let me give you a very uh, specific example. I did a session in Germany. This is five, six years ago. And there was a, uh, a leader of a team. I think he was the... Uh, I think he was a VP at that level, VP. And um, he said, you know what? Uh, I'm always frustrated when we have team meetings that my team members, my, my direct reports, that they don't have a lot of input on the questions that I have. So we do meetings and I say, guys, we have this problem and girls and we have to solve it. Uh, what are your opinions? And then they come up with either stupid ideas. This is what he told me. They come up with either stupid ideas or non-workable ideas, or they the quiet, 
And that's not the way I can work with this team. I need them to be more outspoken and they need to have better ideas. So can you help me with that? And everybody who's listening now and who has a little bit of background in coaching already sees a huge problem here. <laughs> but he didn't see that, right? Mm-hmm. And the key is not, you know, it doesn't matter that I see that. The key is if he sees it or not. So we did yeah. a three-day intensive with his let team. Me, let, let me just slow you down there because mm-hmm. it may not be clear to what you're sharing. When you say that he sees it or that I see it, what is the it you're referring to? Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, thanks for slowing it down. Well, what I see is um, the moment he's talking about others, he's basically saying they don't understand me. It's always them. Mm-hmm. Right. The whole problem is them. He doesn't look at how am I listening? Who are they for me? How do they how do how do they occur to me? And if that is that the truth with a capital T, or is it just the way it occurs to me? Mm-hmm. Right? For him, they were um, you know, non-intelligent, sometimes even stupid. Uh, they were passive, they were lazy, uh, they got money to do, they get a lot of money to basically do, don't do a lot of work. That was how they occurred to him. Right. And he didn't see how that shaped his listening for them and also how he was being with them. That's what I mean by it. Yeah. He didn't yeah. get that. And so there was no possibility for him to get what he wanted based on the level at which he was listening. Exactly. For him, they needed to change so right. that he could have a better team. So would you say that even if the team did come up with some brilliant ideas, the filter through which he was listening didn't occur, allow it to occur to him like a brilliant idea? Exactly. Yeah. And he would discard them as stupid or it doesn't right. work or it's naive or, you know, he would just, if it wasn't in his, like you said, you know, you call it a filter. If it was outside of his filter, he would just discard the ideas, no matter how brilliant they could be. Right. Yeah. And so you were saying that you you then went on and you spent three days with him. Yeah. So we did a three-day session. And um, mm-hmm. on day one, we um, we did a little bit of uh, theoretical stuff of how the mind works and all that being and how that works. And and I know that when people hear this for the first time, it's, you know, when they're in their, in their, in their analytical minds, it's really hard to, to hear. Um, right. They hear it, but they don't. You know what I mean? So my job is to get an opening for them to hear. So we slowed it way down and they got very nervous. <laughs> it's always in businesses. If you slow it down, they get nervous. Or they, yeah, they get uncomfortable with that velocity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they start watching their watches and their phones and they, uh, all of a sudden they have a meeting and, but you know, it's my job to, to, to deal with that um, and not make them wrong for it. It's just the way they are in that moment. So on day two, they were talking about a business topic. And I told that leader, I said, you know what? What I just want you to do is listen. And while you're listening, I want you to do this. The moment you feel like you got an irritation coming up or a um, something like, no, this is not right or this is wrong or whatever, stop, stop, right? Like stop, notice what's in your listening and give it up and see what shows up when you are able to give up that irritation, right? That's all I told him. Stop, notice what's in your listening 
Can you give it up? Your irritation or your knowing better or whatever is in your listing. Can you give that up? And once you give it up, what shows up? So <laughs> I sat next to him intentionally. And um, the group was talking and I could see him getting nervous. He was starting to wiggle his uh, uh, his feet and he was, you know, shifting back and forth in his seat and, and he was just trying to interrupt and he and I tapped his knee a couple of times I said no stop notice what's in your listening can you give it up yes or no and at a certain moment he just you know he just he couldn't hold it anymore and he just said you know guys we're now talking 30 minutes about something and I know from the board and you know you don't have this information but I know from the board that this idea it's never going to work so let's stop talking about this and I called them, um, I called the break. I called the break and I said, okay, let's all take 30 minutes and take a walk and uh, we'll go for a break. So, <laughs> so we, um, we take a break. I go towards the coffee machine. I get a, I get a coffee. He stands next to me and he says, I'm so mad at you. Like standing in my personal space, right? Looking me directly. I'm so mad at you. I said, what do you mean? You just, you know, you know, just make me look bad in front of my team. In my mind, I thought, I didn't say this to him. I thought, you make yourself look bad in front of your team. But okay, let's dance. Let's see what happens. And I said, what happened? Well, I spoke. I said something. And you acted as if my opinion doesn't matter. And I looked at him. I said, you know what? Let's take 10 minutes. And let's take a walk. Let's get some fresh air. And then we'll talk about it. Because this is exactly what we need to talk about. We took 10 minutes. He cooled down a bit. And he wasn't able to see. It took him, I think, two weeks. Two weeks. And then he called me up and he said, Rich, you know what? I wasn't able to see that in that moment. But what I see now is that if it's not about me, then I get mad. If people don't listen to me, I feel like I, I'm less than or I'm less important or I don't matter. And that's the pattern I've been having since childhood. And I've been taking that with me in my leadership skills, in my leadership style, rather. And he said, what happened is that I felt like you were discarding my opinion. And you know what? I've been doing that with my team for three, four, five years. Whenever I feel that they have a different idea, I just shove it to the side because I have the authority now. I'm the VP, you know, I can do that with them. And they mostly shut up. Because they're, uh, you know, they're depending on me for their evaluations and their bonuses and all that stuff. Um, but it's it's a very toxic way of leading, and I've been doing that with them. I've been doing that with my wife. I've been doing that with my kids. I always know better. Mm -hmm. And if people uh, somehow uh, don't respect my intelligence or my smarts, then I can get very very nasty. And he said. This has been holding me back my whole life. And he got very, the more he talked, the more he started to see about this huge blind spot he's been having. And I just let him talk and he was just exhilarated. Well, you know what? What happened with him? He started working with it. Um, he started to see, discover more around it because, you know, every blind spot has, it's like an oil spill. It's everywhere in your life, right? This way of being. Right. Um, he cleaned that up. We worked together for a while for, uh, I think, a year. And he got promoted to uh, become the, the chief uh, operating officer for that company. And later on, he said, without discovering that blind spot, 
I would have still been where I was, unhappy, complaining about my team, not getting the most out of my people. So when you say we cleaned that up, what does that mean? What that means is that he gets reflective and starts seeing like, okay, so what is this way of being? You know, this way mm -hmm. of being like, I know better, I'm smarter than. Mm -hmm. That's um, that something happened in his youth, right? right. But we're not psychoanalysts here, so I'm not going into something happened and his survival strategy became, I have to be smarter, more intelligent than anybody else. Right. Because that way I can still get the respect. That way I can still win. In the, in landmark terms, they call that a winning strategy. It's a way to get attention, a way to get respect. Right. And he perfected that strategy. It became a way for him to get what he thinks he wants. Attention, money, uh, appraisal, respect, all those things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and that became that. his life. Yeah. That became his life. His winning strategy was leading his life. And yeah. he didn't see it anymore. And what I see mean by uncovering is that when you take the lid of that and they start seeing like, holy bejesus, you know, um, um, that's what I do everywhere. I try to impress people how smart I am and how intelligent I am. And when they don't um, see that or don't respect me or don't give me my... Um, you know, they, they, they don't give me what I want. Then I start gossiping about them, bad-mouthing them, finger-pointing, taking them down, you know, uh, all that stuff. And he says, it's so nasty. And it, he cleaned up with uh, many, many people around him, meaning that he had a lot of conversations with people where he said, you know what? I've been doing this winning strategy and I've been doing that to you too. And uh, when you didn't uh, follow... I started to uh, to ignore you. And I want you to know that I'm very sorry for that. I see it now. Um, I don't want to do that anymore uh, because it's nasty and it's not giving me what I'm really looking for. And he cleaned that up and he became more free because his you have to understand a winning strategy has you. You don't have a winning strategy. Mm -hmm. It has you. Yeah. Right? It's, it's like, like, yeah, it's like a winning strategy is actually a losing strategy at the same time. That's ultimately it, because the winning strategy is covering up something, yeah. something you couldn't be. And it's, right? it, it's like it stops you from having the freedom you talk about. Absolutely. It's your most inauthentic way of being. And we all have it. We all yeah. have winning strategies. Yeah. We all have ways to get our attention or, you know, love, respect. And, you know, people have control as a winning strategy let's try to control everything around me so at least i can feel in control mm -hmm. <laughs> or oh, dominating yeah. you know yeah um, there's all kinds of winning strategies and they're not good or bad it's just what you have and there's so much freedom if you see it um and by the way it's not like it's ever going to lose you uh, leave you you still have it but the moment you distinguish it you can be with it so the moment it you know again starts to get active you can go mm -hmm. like oh wait a minute see i'm doing it again and yeah. you can make a different choice yeah so right? that's such a beautiful example and i can really see how waking up to that blind spot can just totally set you free but what i'm curious to know and this is like i, I thought maybe a lot of people are also like interested to hear this is 
How do you go from that to the, you know, you talked about introducing being in business. Like how, yeah. what does that look like when you're first in conversation with clients and companies and organizations on the real challenges that they're up against? How do, how do, you, um, how do you navigate that conversation? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So, you know, I've, I was lucky enough to have the, the management consulting background. So I know how these people talk. <laughs> and I'm saying these people as if they're from another planet. But <laughs> I know how people in business talk. I know what's important to them. So um, in my earlier uh, years, when I first started coaching, I went in from the angle of there's something they need to know and i need to coach them on that so that they, they can become better professionals turned out that that wasn't the easiest way to get in so what i did over the years i developed this method of you know what they struggle with real business problems like revenues like you know which products should we launch um how do we reorganize the team how do we get better trust in the team um you know how do we make more profit so I became interested in what do they perceive as a current problem? So for instance, let's take um, making more profit, right? Or budget problem, something like that. Let's take more profit. So what I would do, I would ask them, what's the biggest problem you have right now in your business? What's keeping you awake at night? That would be my angle. And the moment they um, would talk about that, I know that the solutions they think are the 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 solution to their problem aren't really the solutions. The solutions are always mindset issues, being issues. So in a nutshell, you know, the metaphor that I always use is if you give, um, if you, if you have a dog and the dog is sick and you give the dog a pill and you know, the pill is going to really help the dog get better. But the moment you put that pill in the mouth of the dog, the dog's not going to swallow it because he doesn't like the taste of it. So he's going to find every way possible to push the pill out of his mouth. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm a, I'm an expert mm -hmm. at that. I've tried. To, I've had three, four dogs in my life where I had to do that, and the dog never would take the pill and go like, "Oh, that's great, thank you. I know I'm going to get better from that." No, he just pushes it out, even to my irritation. Right? So you put the pill on the tongue, you put it in the back of his throat, and then 50 minutes later, you would find the pill on the floor. That's the same in business. If you go into business and you start talking about you know, you need to shift your mindset and you need to be, um, you know, you need to make a document that you need to feel better. And when you're happier, you do better work. They're kind of interested in that, but they're also really interested in like, hey, you know, that's great, but I have 300 emails a day. Can you help me with that first? Or that colleague from customer service that really doesn't communicate, that's a bigger problem for now. Or uh, my boss always cancels my one-on-ones and I don't know how to talk to him. I don't know how to get in a relationship with him. Help me with that first, right? So what you need to do in business is, um, and let's go back to the metaphor for a dog again. If you want to have that dog swallow that pill, you wrap it in a piece of bacon. And if you just take a piece of bacon, you wrap it around the pill and you put it in the dog's mouth, that pill goes down easily. Right? And the dog, as a result, will get better. Well, in business, it's the same. You just can't give him that pill. You, you just can't. It doesn't work. For some people, it does. Mostly, it doesn't work, is my experience. 
So you have to find the bacon. And the bacon is what do they like in business? Well, business is mostly analytical. So go in from there. Okay, I can help you get better, um, you know, better idea of which products you should launch next quarter. So let's get people together. Let's talk about two hours about how the mind works. Then let's put your problem on the board. And we're going to talk about how to make more, um, more products that we want to launch. And I'm going to show you where you get in your own way while you're creating these, those ideas for those products, right? I'm going to show you where you're not listening to each other because you think you know better. I'm going to show you where you are very vague in your ideas. And then you wonder why ideas get lost. It's because they're not present in your, in your present um, experience right now. So you have to make them more present. I'm going to show you um, how you're not, um, how you're not honoring your word, right? Where you say one thing and you do another mm. thing. You know, we want to be a team that trusts each other, but you're gossiping in the, in the, in the corridor. Two minutes later, I'm going to show you the importance of when you promise something that you keep your promises. And that's coaching, right? And it all goes all the way down for them to understand when I'm in a meeting. And I feel like I need to defend myself. That's a way of being, right? So, for instance, I, I need to be right or I need to be uh, at least not wrong. I'm going to show you how that gets in the way of generating new ideas. Because if you're stuck in that you're right, there's only a limited amount of ideas in your mind, right? If you open up that mind and you go like, hey, I have good ideas with other people have other, also good ideas, then you might be able to to see new ideas, new insights and in solving old problems. So that's um, that's how we do it. But you have to go in through the bacon. You have to go in through their world. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the pill is in there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Let me give you another example. There was a team I used to work with. And the first time I walked in, I walked. they had this U-shape. Uh, they had all these uh, um, in this conference room and they had a U-shape with the tables and the chairs. And uh, on the tables were, they had all their laptops in front of them and they were doing their emails. I don't know what they're doing. They were doing a lot of stuff. And they were, and I started my program and they kept their, their, their laptops open. And this was the first session. Okay. And after two minutes, I said, wait a minute, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you what you're doing? And they said, well, we're doing our emails and we're very busy. You know, and we, we cannot afford to be four hours here. It's just, we have to do two things at a time. In the past, when I um, when I was more judgmental, I would just say, you know what? Call me back when you're able to listen. <laughs> and I would just walk out. Um, what I said to them, I said, you know what? Let's talk. Give me five minutes about how the brain works and how multitasking doesn't work. And then you can decide whether you want to do this session with your laptop or if you want to do it without your laptop. And I promise you, you're going to have a lot of insights because... What you're doing with me now, you're doing with your employees also. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, do you sometimes do a one-on-one -on -one with a person like evaluation, you know, job evaluation or project evaluation? And you're talking that, that, with that person while you're sitting behind your laptop? And they say, yeah, we do that all the time. Said, and then you're wondering why that person doesn't feel heard? Oh. <laughs> so we talked a couple of minutes about um, multitasking. And how the mind can only do one thing well at a time. And they were like, you know, let's, uh, let's put away the laptops. And we had the best session. So that's how you use 
coaching in a business setting. You have to be in their world, in their language. Uh, and it's not hard. It's not hard. You just have to be willing to also listen for what's important for them. How does the world occur for them? Does that make sense? Yeah, you're on fire, Rich. I'm, uh, I'm just sitting here and just enjoying listening to you talk about this. I can see that it's something you're really um, passionate around. And uh, yeah, and I, I also know that you're, uh, yeah, that you're also very um, eager to help more people to, yeah, understand how to bring more of this work into businesses and mm-hmm. how to like, yeah, and, and just how to, uh, and, uh, you know, t- to be someone who can create shifts in culture, in well-being, in results, financial um, performance related, you know, the, the kind of work that you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's beautiful. I, I, um, I, I just want to say, you know, I, I really feel the um, the passion you have for this, and uh, and what is also occurring to me is is just your willingness to do what it takes, your willingness to show up. And um, there's a quote as well that you um, I think you you're the one that shared it with me um, by Warner um, Earhart, and this quote was. Power doesn't come from knowledge. What people know doesn't make them powerful. It's being present to what you're dealing with that gives you power. And I feel like that's really behind the essence of what you're sharing. Mm -hmm. It's really about power of being present to whatever you're dealing with that is powerful. And I wanted to just, yeah, acknowledge you and uh yeah and in, in, in how you've been present to showing up in a in a powerful way by being present to what's needed yeah thank you and you know i, I did a, a like a 10 month leadership program with cti and um it really was about coming out with the ability to respond to two questions the first one is um, what's here, and the second one is what's needed now. Mm-hmm. And if you can be present to what's here, not to the story of what's here, but to what's actually here, you can be present to deal with it, with whatever life throws at you powerfully. Yeah, it sounds a lot like the uh, stop notice what's in your listening, and can you give it up? And that's also becoming present to how am I yeah. listening to the situation right now? Yeah. And can and I that, give it up? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to notice. First yeah. of all, stop, notice. Because the stop, the stop and noticing for most people is just an automatic way of being. Yeah. So, so to me, this is a really, um, this, this is like beautiful because it is speaks to the essence of being while at the same time uses language that people in business can relate to notice what's in your listening yeah it's not like you you know shift your being get your document out and recreate yourself because who you are is a creation like that that may be a little too abstract yeah. so I, I love the the practicality the simplicity and the power that you bring to this conversation to businesses and and to the work that you do 
Yeah, let, let me say something about that. Um, there's an exercise that we used to do before COVID. And um, it was a really simple exercise. We just, you know, every time we would do like a three-day intensive with a, with a team, uh, the first thing we would do, we would say, okay, everybody stand up. And it would be like 15, 16 people. And they would say, I would say, what we're going to do is you're going to shake everybody's hand in this room. That's why I said pre-COVID, you know, <laughs> because we can't do that anymore. You're just going to shake everybody's hand and you're going to give them a compliment. Mm-hmm. And you're going to give them a heartfelt compliment. And the other person just receives it. Notice what's in your listening, right? While you're receiving the compliment. And and then the other person would do the same thing. So they would also give a compliment. And then you would move on to the next person. And I would just stand in the back and observe what's happening. And mm-hmm. because this is a microcosm of what's happening in that team. Because some people would avoid each other. Or, you know, when they would shake, shake each other's hand, it would be really quick, like, oh, nice shoes or nice shirt or, you know, nice glasses. That would be really like a superficial kind of compliment. And you would see the colleagues that would get along really well. They would spend like a minute with each other, you know, on one mm-hmm. compliment. And if you become skilled at reading the group like that, you don't need introduct, you don't need intakes or anything like that. You would just need to do that exercise. So you would know more than enough about this team mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's needed. Yeah. And then yeah. afterwards, we would always ask like, okay, so the mo- what's more, uh, what's easier, getting a compliment or giving a compliment? And they would all say, getting a compliment, mostly. And I would say, oh, that says something about the team, right? Getting something is more important than giving something. That, that says something about a culture. And during the course, we would also always shift to, you know what? You have no problem getting what you want as long as you're willing to give other people what they want. Mm-hmm. Right. If you want to be listened to, why did you give away better listening to other people? If you want other people to um, work more with you, why didn't you give that away first? And it's so beautiful to see a whole team of people getting that realization, getting that new way of being, right? I'm being a giver instead of a, a getter. That alone, if you would spend like three days having getting that into the being of a team, that would shift the whole team. No, I can so I can so see that, and it would create a team of givers. And you know, a, a word that we use for that as well is is a team of people that are in service of each other, that are looking to make each other win, and looking to make each other get what they want and look good. Yeah, exactly. And it's it just becomes um yeah, it's like a complete shift from the me and to to the we and to to this um sort of collaborative way of being. It's yes. just gonna be way more beautiful and fun and engaging and powerful. Yeah. And it's so it's so important. Mm-hmm. And that same team, mm-hmm. when they get together now, it's so in their in their DNA. Right. That whenever they're talking in a meeting or anywhere else, they check in. Am I here for me or am I here for the team? Hmm. How am I listening? Am I listening at the level of self or am I listening at the level of team? And the beauty is, and mm-hmm. you know, this, this just makes me so, oh my God, this is so beauty. When you see a team do that by themselves, it almost feels like I'm the, the granddaddy and, the, you know, with, with mm-hmm. the kids being happy and playing with each other. I'm like, oh, my God, this team's so much more productive now. They don't need me. It's always been in them anyway. 
but yeah. now they see how they're listening. You know, when I'm in a meeting and I'm starting to debate something, what am I doing? Am I trying to be right? Or am I trying to really contribute something to an idea? Am I dancing in a conversation or am I trying to make somebody else wrong? And am I trying to make myself right? And to your point earlier, I meet so many wonderful people, coaches, consultants, mentors, people who do amazing work. And they tell me that they, they're kind of scared of business, right? They don't know how to start working in business or that it's scary. It's all about money, big egos, all that stuff. But if you really, but that's also a way of being. It's also a way of looking at, a, at business. If you shift and peel away those layers of materialism and egos and all that stuff, you see that this is a huge opportunity to really reach a lot of people at once, right? Because you're working with a whole team instead of one person. You're working with a whole company, whole department, whatever. You get a chance to shift thousands of people if you, if you do that well, instead of one or two or three. And to me, that's the game I'm playing. I want to make a bigger difference for more people because we spend so much time at work. I don't even know how much, what it was like half of you. I don't know even know, but it's like eight hours a day. If you're, if you're lucky, you know, most people I work with work 10, 12 hours a day. So what an improvement if people get along at work, get better results, don't have, um, you know, the stress, know how to deal with um, breakdowns and all that stuff. They bring that home also to their kids, to their wife, to their families. They bring that home to their friends. They bring that home everywhere. So what a huge impact we can have. Mm-hmm. As um, as corporate advisors, and I call it advisors, it doesn't mean that we're giving advice, but you know, it's coaches, consultants, cons- uh, those group, that group. What an impact we can have that way! Um, so I really love for more people to step beyond their own filters of ooh, corporates, yeah, yeah, and just start looking like what what difference can I, you know, even like um, yeah, you know, your your, your local um your local chamber of commerce, they have people there who are looking for, how can I perform better? Small business owners, you know, you can go there and start making a difference by doing a speech of, you know, I'm doing a speech on how to get more productive. Why not? It's not hard. It's not, um, it's still people. <laughs> it's still people. And, um, you know, we can make a huge difference in, uh, in corporates because if you look at the world right now, a lot of people are stressed in corporates, um, they're, they're eager for help. And the help they mostly get is from people who are unskilled in doing this work. And they're mm-hmm. doing, I would like to say, more bad than good with mm-hmm. their you know heartfelt advice. Um, yeah. And I see a lot of people being burned out, um, you know, and that also they bring that home also. So I would encourage if you're a coach or a consultant or somebody who really wants to contribute, look at businesses to do that they need you they really need you yeah that's so hopeful and it's just a possibility for more well-being in the workplace that's how i see you and the work that you're doing and the possibility you're creating for thousands of people and um yeah it's it's super inspiring and I know you haven't brought this up, but I'm going to bring it up myself because I know there's a, a program that you are offering called Being a Trusted Advisor. And this is for people who are looking to get into 
working more with businesses and um it's um like a support team is it okay if i if i ask if i um ask you to share a little about that uh let, let's cut this out because it doesn't i don't want it to be a promotional thing okay so okay? yeah yeah um we can cut that out and that's totally cool and at the same time i want to um challenge you on that because it's not a promotional thing it's about being in service and if you can see it that way it will be beneficial for people listening to know that there's a way they can get on board and be more so i invite you to look at it as you being of service and not you promoting yourself and, and stop making it about you yeah yeah that's a different perspective um okay yeah let's do it okay yeah. so i'm gonna ask you the question again so mm -hmm. yeah is that is that something is it okay if i ask you about that sure sure go ahead yeah. well what, well tell me what is what is this um being a trusted advisor um what is the program about and who is it for and how can people find out more about it well, it's really something that started um, in my own mind two, mo uh, two months ago uh, when I had a conversation with somebody, really good coach, uh, a guy who used to work for a law firm, and uh, he turned to coaching, and he really doesn't know how to do that with corporate clients. And I had a conversation with him, and he really started to get benefits from that. And I, start, and I was like, you know, more people need to know that it's not scary or different or anything else. You know, it's just... You just need to know a few need to do a few things. So I had a conversation with my wife. I said, you know what? It's I'm just so blown away by how many people are scared of working in business. And scared might not be the word that resonates with, with you, but scared or look up to or are intimidated or whatever. And it's such a shame because they got so much to offer. So, you know, I said to my wife, what I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna do a couple of calls of an hour and I'm just gonna tell people the basics. Um, where to start, how to make a proposal, what the languages you use, what the languages you don't use, who you speak to, who you don't speak to. And my wife said, yeah, you know, that's great. You can, you can help many people with that. And I thought about it a little bit more and, um, I decided to, uh, to make a little bit of a, of a program out of it. And it's called being a trusted advisor. It's, uh, and everybody can look that up on Facebook. It's, uh, I posted it on my wall and, um, I put that on, um, on my on my wall actually and <laughs> I had many many replies of people saying i would love to participate so um yeah so that's what i'm doing is basically me sharing uh what worked for me and not only what worked for me but also how it can work for them mm -hmm. oh i think um, it's 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 amazing that you're doing that rich and it's so needed and i was one of the first to sign up to that program i was like yes i want to i want to be a part of this and, um, you know, I've also invited um, people that I care for dearly that uh, mm -hmm. will be joining the program as well. And I know you already sold out for the first um, um, for the first batch and you're doing a new one in October. So, um, yeah. you know, I, 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 I know that um, also that you're not someone who likes to self-promote. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing that here because I, um, I really feel like this is just a beautiful opportunity to serve people that um kind of people that you describe that really want to be making a bigger difference in the world but don't know where to start 
Um, so, so just, you know, thank you for creating that. And, uh, and I'm sure it will be absolutely powerful, insightful, and uh, really practical. Because if there's one thing that I love about your way of, of sharing and teaching and uh, is, it's just the practicality that you bring. And, um, and that's, you know, something that I personally really value. And so, yeah, and also all the examples you gave today, you know, thank you for who you're being, for what you're creating. Um, you are um, an inspiration to me and to many people. And uh, I'm so glad uh, to be able to call you a dear friend and uh, to be able to, yeah, just um, keep being a witness of your journey and what is being created. I think uh, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you for that. That's really touching. Um, and let me also acknowledge you for, um, for doing an amazing job on these podcasts. And, um, you know, we have many conversations also outside of this podcast and I always find it inspiring. Congratulations again on the born, on the, on the birth of Oliver. Mm, really enjoyed thank that. you so much. Yes. And um, yeah, it's actually my first episode and I'm recording as a dad. And I tell you, I just feel <laughs> so, I feel so tender, Rich. I feel so tender. And, uh, and it's, um, it's great that we're talking about business and stuff because it's just um, allows me to just, yeah, get really present to to you and to what you're sharing. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you for uh, for being who you are. I experience you as one of the most kindest uh, people. You got a beautiful voice for for doing these podcasts. I think my wife overheard you speaking last uh, last week and she said, that guy should become a professional voiceover. <laughs> 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 oh thank you i appreciate that that's um well rich um it's been a delight just to share this uh this episode with you um is there anything else you'd like to say before we complete our conversation today anything else um yeah i would like to say one thing don't let yourself be held back by anything don't let yourself be held back by anything stop Notice what's in your listening. Give it up. If you're not willing to give it up, look why you're not willing to give it up. Investigate. Keep digging because that's where the freedom is. If you want to be a corporate consultant, if you want to, I don't care what kind of income goal you have, it's achievable. The only thing that's working against you is how you see things. If you challenge that and if you change it, if you shift your being towards what you're looking at, it's all possible. And I know that you know, especially when you're in a, in a hole that doesn't sound like real or uh, realistic. But Werner Erhard has this beautiful quote, and, um, you know, I'm, I don't know it by heart. It's a longer quote. But he basically says heroes, the definition of heroes, are people who are not looking at the current circumstances, but they create the world in their mind first, and then they work towards that. They're coming from the vision that they have. They don't look at their circumstances. Those people are heroes. And I think that's true. And Werner is a hero. Uh, he's created, there are many heroes on the planet. I think Steve Hardison is a hero. Um, there are many, many heroes. And you know what? They're heroes because they're driven by who they say they are, not who they've become or what the world says or whatever. They honor their word. And that's so beautiful. Hmm. Beautiful. And there's something, just a short story I want to add to that. And, um, 
I have mentioned this in, in previous podcasts around the challenges that I've been facing with uh, the relationship between my wife and my mother. Mm. And, um, you know, Rich, something so beautiful has happened um, with the birth of Oliver. It has been almost, I, I, I just have to say it is an absolute miracle because Christina, just my wife, Christina, who really wasn't having just hardly a relationship at all with my mother, completely let go of the story, completely mm. let go of the need for any sort of conversation to happen or completion to happen. And um, it just let go. And she was free to be in a healthy relationship with my mom again. And you know what? It's so beautiful. And it was um, it was amazing because I could really see the power in what you share and, and just stop. Notice what's in your listening and can you give it up? And I think can you give it up is, is really the big one. And it's um, it's it's a willingness to let go of the grudges, the the need to be right, as you say, and to be able to witness that in this way is it's just so so profound that um, I am really really um, moved by possibility, and mm. I can say you know if that's possible in my family, you know what's possible in businesses in our lives. In the world is miraculous yeah absolutely true there are miracles everywhere and um yeah this is a great one and this this is the work that you and i get to do is the work of opening up people to possibility where they see limitations isn't that amazing and restrictions <laughs> it's the most beautiful work yeah and it's the most rewarding work and um i'm so grateful to be on this journey yeah and uh me too yeah yeah so uh what a beautiful place for us just to complete this conversation today again i want to thank everyone who's been listening in and anything that you want to share and we always love hearing from you and uh, any takeaways that you have um, please feel free to reach out to rich or to myself and share anything that you got from from our conversations um, thank you again, Rich, for your time today, for your openness, for your practicality and your beautiful way of bringing um, being in business. I'm inspired by you, by our conversation, and I look forward to being more in conversation with you and with everyone else in the Ultimate Coach group and family. Yes. Amen to that. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit theultimatecoachbook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach Book, and more. Simply go now to www.theultimatecoachbook.com. That's www.theultimatecoachbook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be you.